Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Star County, Andy Logan of Logan Sports in North Canton. Feeling blessed to beginning our 48th year serving the surrounding area. Logan Sports has always been Star County's go-to spot for Ohio State merchandise. But we invite you in to see our wonderful Guardians gear as well as Browns and Cavs. Logan's is quickly becoming Star County's headquarters for high school letterman's jackets as well. We do every school in the county, all custom made with top-notch quality and service. Logan Sports has a complete line of embroidery and screening as well for your high school or business needs. Stop into Logan Sports and see what everyone is talking about. This is the Kenny and JT Show on News Talk 1480 WHBC. Kenny, I mean to tell you, man, it was electric in Columbus over the weekend. It was a scarlet out at the shoe. 105,000 people showed up. Aerial shots. We had a flyover before the football game. And it was just, well, it was electric. And to help us break things down as we do on every Victory Monday... Jeff Logan, 99.7 The Blitz, 610 WTVN in Columbus, a founding father of the Logan Family Foundation. Joining us right now, Jeffrey Logan. What's up, Jeff? Hey, bud. How you doing up there? Man, I feel great. What a great weekend. You know, the only bad thing about the weekend was Friday night, I went to that damn casino and I made a pretty hefty deposit. On which game? All the games that I lost. <laughs> no winners, Jeff. What? None. <laughs> hey, all you had to be was an Ohio fan this weekend, and you made money with the Browns, uh, Ohio State winning. Um, man, it, it, what what can you ask for? I mean, everything is really good in uh, in Ohio, right? It was a great time. And, Jeff, last week on the program, you predicted an Ohio State victory over Penn State. What did you see? Well, what I saw was a really good football team that had not yet been tested in a really tough environment. Um, you know, the schedule, I thought, was suspect at best, uh, but I thought they performed at a very high level, and I knew they had some great athletes on both sides of the ball. But the bottom line, came, uh, to me, came down to uh, their inability to be able to, to really stretch the field and a quarterback in his first year starting that had never – been in that kind of an environment before and uh, while on our side we've got the same kind of a situation with a first year starting quarterback but fortunately we had the week against Notre Dame on the road in a tough environment and we saw Kyle McCord grow up to become a man in that game now Drew Aller had never had that challenge he got the challenge it didn't work out well for them and uh, I think the new saying at, at uh, Penn State is you know how they always do the we are and then they go Penn State. Yeah. It's now we are one and nine. <laughs> yeah, uh, under under James Franklin. And how much of that is a factor, Jeff Logan? Uh, you know, we we sit here and at times I'm guilty uh, questioning Ryan Day's play calling, like yesterday on fourth down and everything. You know, but uh, he still has a pretty good record o- overall in the Big Ten and against Penn State, where James Franklin does not. How much is that a factor? Well, it's a big factor. I don't think it's really hard. Uh, even for the toughest Ohio State fans to support and get behind uh, Ryan Day's record. Um, I think it speaks for itself. On the other hand, I think uh, James Franklin's record speaks for itself in big games. I was 
uh, doing a television uh, broadcast of a uh, high school football game on Friday night here. I had Olin Tangy against Marysville. And by the way, Olin Tangy is the school where this Evan Grunkemeyer, who is the quarterback there, who is going to Penn State next, next season, uh, we had James Franklin helicopter in uh, for that game to watch the first half of it. And there was a lot of fanfare, a lot of people excited about it. Uh, but uh, bottom line is he has not much he can defend when you look at their record against uh, uh, top uh, 25 teams in Ohio State. Here we are with two wins over teams that were ranked in the top 10 the week we played them. A tight contest like what we saw Saturday. One play can dictate the outcome of a game. Uh, a couple of them come to mind, and not necessarily in the order that they happened. Well, I guess they will. Uh, when we have the ball down inside the five-yard line, we d- decide not to kick a field goal, which would have put us up by seven. We were lucky because James Franklin, that's his name, right, James Franklin? Yeah. Decides to go for it, Jeff, with seven minutes to go on a fourth and three from basically midfield. Uh, we get pressure on their quarterback. He throws a harmless, incomplete pass, and we get field position, come down, score the, the, the dagger, so to speak, with Marvin Harrison Jr. So both coaches seem at times to forget how important each play can be. But talk about, for, for first, not kicking that, that field goal, which to me is a gimme, and let's go up seven. Yeah, you know, I, I was of the opinion uh, that he would probably go for the field goal but I, but I supported, and when he made the decision to go for it, even though they didn't get it, and I think Ryan Day explained this perfectly well in his postgame uh, conference, he said, number one, we, we have to pick that up. We have to get it done. But if we didn't, we had a 98-yard drive that they were going to have to do against our defense, which was already playing well. So I think he felt his chances were pretty good. Um, on the other hand, I think James Franklin had no choice but to try and do that, given the fact that, he was in a tough environment. He had to make some, some decisions in that game because I think he knew he was going to get outmanned as mm. the way things were going on. And I think he was looking for something uh, for them to build upon. And, and fortunately for Ohio State, they were able to make the great stop. Let's go back to Ryan Day. Let's talk about that defense. Ohio State defense keeps Penn State to 240 total yards, which is almost 200 yards under their average. What really stands out? Was it mostly the defensive line? I mean, the linebackers were lights out, too. I mean, was it just a combination of everything? Well, it was a combination of everybody doing their job and being what we call gap sound and not allowing any big plays. Ohio State is ranked number one in the country of teams that have not allowed plays of 40 yards or more. Um, You know, nobody is better at keeping the top on the defense. And a year ago, that was our biggest problem was giving up the big plays in big games, and this would certainly be a big game that you would look at. You know, we, we go into the game defensively without Denzel Burke. Mm-hmm. So he has been terrific all season long. And I thought the guys that got a chance to play, specifically uh, Hancock, who went in, I thought played terrifically. Uh, the freshman, Jermaine Matthews, played extraordinarily well. Uh, but ultimately, when it came down to it, uh, Jalen Tuomol, I'll screw it up, JT, was a terrific player in the football game and came up with a great with great stops one after another. Happy to have with us Jeff Logan breaking down Ohio State and Penn State from Saturday. Buckeyes win it twenty to twelve. Wasn't pretty, but an ugly win, better than a gorgeous loss. Uh, and you'll take it. You're seven and zero. The great thing about seven and zero, as Urban Meyer used to say, is the chance now to go to eight and zero. 
but I have a question for you. You and I talked about this last week. Can you help me as to why Dallin Hayden wasn't active for this game, Jeff? And instead of trying to run between the tackles where we can't pick up a yard, could he have used his speed to get to the corner and turn the corner and get in the end zone? Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Dallin Hayden fan. I, I think the, the world of this kid, and I think he does offer something that the other bats don't. Uh, coming into this season, um, he was clearly the number three running back in the in the running back room behind Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams. Now, those two have gone through the injury bug, obviously, and Dallin Hayden has gotten a little bit of an opportunity to see the field. Uh, but Ohio State made it clear they want to redshirt this kid uh, to be able to have a great future uh, for Ohio State. And he's allowed to play in four games. And with both um, Mayan Williams and um, also, um, uh, come on now, the uh, other running train back, uh, uh, tra- uh, tra- uh, Trainum, being eligible yep. and being healthy to play, I felt as though they had the capacity to maybe hold him back a little bit. And I think he's a difference maker. I, I would love to see the kid play, but I think they're doing this as a direct result of trying to preserve his future at Ohio State and give him another season. Yeah, wow. I I just think in those short yardage situations where your line is having trouble moving people straight ahead to get that one yard, getting to the outside, he'd be an advantage. And I think Trevion Henderson would give you that burst as well. But he was out again. What do we know at this point, Jeff Logan? What the injury is to him, and is this uh, uh, is this going to be one that keeps him out the rest of the season, like we saw with Injigba uh, a while ago? I hope not. I, the only thing I can gather, and this is my own speculation because Ohio State is not confirming uh, lower body, upper body, any, any part of his body, but I'm going to tell you he had foot surgery a year ago. That was okay. his problem last season, and the only thing that I can gather is he's continually having some issues relative to that foot recovery. That would be my guess, but I've I got to be honest with you. Uh, that is certainly only my speculation as to what's holding him back. Jeff, back when you played for Woody, it was 1977. Rod Gerald, did he ever throw the ball 35 times in one game? We didn't throw it 35 times in a season. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, you know, the reason I get at that is it, this kind of resembled, with the exception of the running game, this yeah. was kind of an old-school Big Ten blowout, or uh, uh, Donnybrook, I guess we'll call it. I mean, this was defense, with the exception of three yards and a cloud of dust. This was old-school Big Ten football, wasn't it? Well, it, it truly was. I mean, it was a defensive battle from the very beginning, trading field goals here and there. And, and uh, you know, Ohio State uh, ends up the game one of uh, just allowing one of 16 third-down conversions in this game. And that one conversion came in the last drive of the game, believe it or not. Yeah. So um, it, it's crazy when you think of it as a throwback game with all the defense and everything else. But look at what Ohio State is able to do from an offensive standpoint uh, by, you know, connecting with uh, seven different receivers during the game. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. getting the most of those. He was targeted 16 times. He had 11 catches for uh, 162 yards, one touchdown. And of the 11 catches, nine of them went for first down. Is there a better player in the country right now no. than Marvin Harrison? I don't Jr.? think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. And you know, it's amazing too with all the passing that was going on. Ohio State still somehow with about nine minutes to go before uh, Penn State had that final drive. They owned 
the time of possession by a good 10 minutes, too. And it just goes to show you that a lot more receptions and kept the clock rolling. Yeah, you know, the time of possession, we talked about that in our pre- and post-game show on WTVN Radio down here. And, and I will tell you this, the time of possession can really be misleading if you are a big play team that hits a bunch mm-hmm. of home runs. You know, you may win the ball game 45-3 to and lose in the time of possession. So how valuable is it? Well, in Big Ten play, I think there is some value there because it's not only a combination of how long you keep the ball, but it's also the availability of the defense getting three and outs and putting your offense back on the field for more and more plays. And in this era of the new clock where it doesn't stop on those first down uh, situations, uh, Ohio State was losing four, five, six plays a game. And if you look at the total number of plays in this game, Ohio State had it 76 offensive plays to 68 offensive plays for Penn State and time of possession was almost 10 minutes in favor of the Buckeyes. Jeff Logan is brought to us by Logan Sporting Goods in North Canton. Kenny, you know it was a scarlet out. I got the sweetest hoodie from Andy over there the other day. It was outstanding. You been in there lately? I have not. I'll have to go in and, and check uh, check out the new gear Good. Uh, that he has. Here's what you do. Wait till Andy goes out to lunch and go talk to Amy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did they find one to fit you in men's? Absolutely, man. Smedium okay. is my middle name. <laughs> Just want to make sure, man. That's right. Hey, Jeff, I, I was watching the game, and I, I always like to watch pre-post, uh, pre-halftime and post-game, right? Urban Meyer talking, you know, and, and all that. And he made a comment. Remember right before the half, uh, 42 seconds left, they got the ball, I think, at their own 18 with three timeouts left, right? If Urban's there and pre this season, maybe Ryan Day's there, that, that's an eternity. We're trying to go down and score. Ryan Day takes a knee, keeps the three timeouts, goes to the locker room, and Urban Meyer said this at the half, those are two top five teams who don't trust their quarterback. How much trust do you think he has in Kyle McCord based on the first seven games of this season, moving ahead to the big game this week at Wisconsin? Yeah, I think it's growing every day, and, and uh, you know, I think he really feels good about him. Uh, that decision, I think if Ryan Day had to rethink it, I, I think he did a little bit in the press conference after the game. He talked about we probably should have gone ahead and tried to run one at the beginning and try and pop one and see right. if we could have gotten enough of a gain then to be able to use the rest of those timeouts. So I was a little surprised he was that conservative, but he did know that he had the uh, ball in the back of his pocket for the beginning of the third quarter. So at least that goes on his side, but I'm not going to criticize Ryan day when you uh, have a, have a, uh, a game like that uh, when it's basically uh, going away, uh, totally in control most of the football game. So really proud of the way the guys played and the way they coach. I agree with that too, Jeff, because you're in the shadow of your own goalpost. You throw the ball 35 times a game. There's a chance. What would he say when you would throw the ball? Three things happen. Two of them can be bad. Why take the risk? Go ahead, take a knee, get out of there, live to play for the second half. Let's play the field position game. They were about a 50-50 split with passing and running the game ball, weren't they? Yeah, pretty well balanced in mm-hmm. terms of what they did. Now, you look at the average rush was only 1.9 yards. That's not good enough, and, and uh, that won't be good enough as you go the rest of the season. So they've got to do a better job of, of running the football. And, it, and I, again, I don't think it's a matter of just moving the front. It's getting on the edge like you guys were talking yeah. about. And whether or not uh, Dallin Hayden is going to be the solution to that or not, I don't know. But we've got to find a way to get our uh, great players on the edge in the running game. 
All right, I got to ask you about this, Jeff Logan. Uh, a headline came across ESPN.com just a little bit ago. Sources: Michigan staffer had tickets at eleven Big Ten schools. His name is Connor Stallions, and this is uh, the the person of interest in the NCAA's investigation. So I want to hear from a, a former Buckeye. How much of an advantage? Could Michigan possibly gain if this guy is going to games, sitting in the stands and videotaping or whatever the hand signals for offense and defensive coaches? What, what, where do you come out on this? Well, it's, it's real interesting because, number one, it has been illegal for the last 25 years to do any in-person scouting. That's number right. one. Not allowed to do it. And there's no value in doing it, quite frankly, because you are getting all of the tape the all-22 view, everything that you could possibly need uh, that a scout could bring you is all done by video that you are receiving from the other school in advance. The only advantage I see to doing that would be the electronic videotaping, which that release talked a little bit about, that somebody, uh, they had video of a guy that actually was doing the videotaping of the signals that were going on, Um you know, just trying to put A and B together, and this is what they run. Uh, everybody changes their signals. Everybody does a lot of uh, stuff to be able to try and fool the or mis- mislead the other team. But nobody has got this kind of a mess that is going on right now, and I don't think they're going to be defensible under any circumstances. And I think this ends up being loss of institutional control. Wow. Yeah, we'll see, and that falls back on the head coach, and we know that uh, from Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer uh, and the things that came down uh, with those two individuals. Hey, Jeff, great stuff as always. Hey, congratulations to your Vikings from Hoover. They make it as an 11 seed, and they're coming down your way. They've got Columbus DeSales this Friday night. Yeah, I saw that, and DeSales actually beat an undefeated Bishop Watterson on Friday night, and you may recognize the quarterback for DeSales. He's a freshman, but his name is R. J. Day, yes, the son of head coach Ryan Day is the starting quarterback, has been all season for the DeSales Stallions. So uh, good luck to Hoover, but uh, they're going up against Ryan Day's son. Wow, great stuff, as only Jeff can provide. Hey, Jeff, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, bud? All right, guys, be good. And uh, hello to everybody up in Stark County, especially Gloria Logan. God bless you. Get a break in. Come back with more of the Kenny and JT Show, and we'll talk about the playoff pairings for this Friday in high school football next.